Jesus and to glorify Jesus. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We're now using welcome to guests and visitors, members. We are now using um, Linktree to connect to all the information you need to know about the Village Church. And for visitors, first-time visitors, if you're here, there's an R- QR, not RQ, it's a QR code on the bulletin. You can scan that and find an information form to fill out so we can know who you are and what you're about. So use that. Um, At the Village Church, giving of tithes and offerings, we consider an act of worship. You may give um, by scanning the QR code again. You can give by mailing your checks into the church. Or if you're here in person, there's an offering plate in the back you can use. Give your tithes and offerings as an act of worship. Two special announcements. Um, Tonight... It's TBC Family Night at 6 o'clock. Rain or shine, bring your chairs, bring some food. The church is providing hot dogs, ice cream, games, etc. Kate, is there anything else you want to say about tonight or not? It's open to everyone. Church family, all right. Be there or be, be there. Be there or be square. Uh, check out the back of your bulletin for a new email address for the prayer link. Information is on there. And just a reminder that next Sunday, today's a big deal too, but next Sunday's a big deal also. We've got all the people who have been through the Enter the Village class and been interviewed and approved by session. We'll be joining the church publicly next week. There'll be several baptisms as well. So it's going to be a big Sunday with a lot of uh, new folks being welcomed. So that's a, rem- that's a reminder for those that are joining and just a refresher for those that are already here. Okay? Um, I believe that is the announcements. It's good to be here as God's people and gathered together. And Psalm um, 92 says, It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to his name. So we're going to do that now. Sing praises to his name. It's good to do that. Let's do that now as we enter our worship. Good morning. Come and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. If you are able, please stand with us as we sing praises to the Most High God.
Let's worship him. Christ the Lord, the Most High, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Emmanuel. Let's worship him. Our call to worship this morning is from 1 Kings 8, verse 60 and 61. Please join with me where it says, people. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is good. There is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. Amen.
take your place Let all the other names fade away Let all the other names fade away Until there's only you Let all the other names fade away Jesus, take your place Jesus, take your place Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, his name is to be praised. Lord, we glorify you today. We lift you high. We exalt you in this place. Amen. Amen. He is worthy of all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Amen. Whether we feel like it or not, his name is to be praised. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Please join me. Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God who isn't for us from a distance, but a God who's with us intimately and close. Being Emmanuel, that means we are never alone. Your presence is with us. Even though you are in heaven, you're still close to us. The word says you still intercede on our behalf. We praise you, Jesus, for that. That your work for us on the cross didn't, your work for us didn't end on the cross. You're still working for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are patient with us. Thank you that you don't lord your lordship over us. Thank you that you are gracious, kind, firm, but merciful. Thank you that you don't let us mold you and shape you into our own image. But you are who you are, Jesus. The God-man. God and man. Human nature, divine nature. And we praise you for that. Praise you that you left the riches of heaven and became poor so that you can save sinners like us so that you can transform orphans into beloved sons and daughters sinners into saints Lord you did that we didn't do that for ourselves and so we we praise you for that praise you that you don't treat us as our sin deserves praise you that you took away all of our sin and you gave us all of your righteousness and and that when we stand before the Father he sees us clothed in your righteousness fully accepted because of what you have done for us thank you Jesus we don't have to work for God's favor now we don't have to um do all these things to, to be accepted. All we have to do is, is rest in, in the finished work of Christ and what he has done on our behalf. 
We can live freely as sons and daughters because that's who we are. And even when we mess up, we're still loved. We're still accepted. Now, we may experience discipline, but we will never be cast out. We will never be disinherited. The Father would never say, get out of my house. I no longer know you. You're no longer my child. That would never happen. Why? Because your work is enough. Your life is enough. Your suffering is enough. Your shed blood is enough. Your resurrection is enough. Your perfection is enough. Your obedience is enough. Your ascension is enough. And there's nothing more that we can add. All we can do is submit and surrender. Thank you, Jesus, for being Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Today is a exciting day in the life of our church. Today we are going to commission our first uh, women shepherds. And before we, before I do that, I want to just explain to you all what uh, a woman shepherd is and why we, they are needed here at the Village Church. So first, why do we need women shepherds at TVC? The first reason is to help care and, and shepherd women in crisis. Two, to help disciple women in our community in partnership with the TVC's women's ministry. And third, to provide a diverse, diverse voice to the session concerning things affecting uh, the whole church. And the women shepherds in our church have been attending our session meetings. And it's been great hearing their voice and giving us advice as we make decisions as elders. So the session, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, affirms that Patience Teague, Susan Smith, and Mandy Goodson have been appointed by the session to serve as women shepherds at the village church. And each of these beloved sisters have been trained to serve in this new role. And so I would like to ask the sisters to come forward. Uh, I don't know why y'all need to stand to be on the camera, but I'm assuming right here. Amen. This is a great time. Celebration. Okay. So I'm going to be asking them for um, commissioning vows. And then after that, I'm going to ask the members of TVC to stand because I have some questions for y'all as well. So ladies, you can respond by saying yes to each of these questions. Do you accept this ministry of women shepherds and confidence that comes from God? Will you fulfill this ministry in accordance with the teachings and practices of the Village Church and the Presbyterian Church in America? Will you be diligent in your study of Scripture, faithful in your use of the means of grace, and constant in prayer? Will you trust in God's care, seek to grow in grace for those you serve, strive for excellence in your work, uphold the unity and purity and peace of the church, and adorn the gospel with a godly life. If you are a member of TVC, will you please stand? And when I ask you all these questions, you can just say, yes, or we do. Beloved saints of TVC, will you receive these sisters as servants of the Lord? 
Will you encourage them as they accept this responsibility for our common life? Will you personally support them so that they will serve with joy and not grief? You may be seated. Mandy Goodson, Susan Smith, Patience Teague, each of you have been trained and certified for this ministry. In the session of the Village Church, hereby commission each of you for the ministry of women shepherds at TVC. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I would like to ask the elders to come forward as we will lay our hands on these sisters, and I will ask the elder uh, Dennis, will he pray for them? Please join me in prayer. Father, we come before you now with these sisters of ours. Lord, asking that you bless them and lead them and protect them as they serve this congregation uh, in this new way. Lord, as they have uh, already demonstrated their, their love for you, their family, and this congregation. And so as we, as a, as a church body, uh, take on this new uh, ministry role, being led by these women, Lord, we ask that you uh, lead them by your spirit, that uh, they uh, can hear as they meet and counsel with women and families in this church, that they can hear what's being said and what's not being said, that your spirit would guide them to, to ask questions to uh, get at the root of issues that are uh, affecting uh, members of our church. Lord, that um, you would guide them as they serve in this way to hear hard things, protect their hearts and minds. And Lord, let them uh, provide uh, uh, wise uh, uh, input and guidance and, and uh, feedback to our session. We bless you. We thank you. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we uh, move on to our scripture reading, I do want to add that we do need some sisters to serve as deacon assistants. And so if you have a gift for mercy ministry, um, a gift for those who are um, just in need of mercy and compassion, uh, please reach out to the session, send Cynthia an email. We would love to talk with you more uh, about serving as a deacon assistant. So please be in prayer about that because that is a, another need that we have at the TVC. So Elder Dixon, Elder Dixon, Elder Dennis is going to come do our scripture, <laughs> scripture reading. <laughs> All right, good morning again. Uh, our scripture reading for today comes from Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. Uh, please stand if you are able for the reading of God's word.
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow and that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of God. Amen. Please be seated.
gospel is Jesus' invitation for you to come to him. It's not just an invitation to come to him one time, but every day he invites you to come. For some of you, it may be the first time. Definitely if you're here and you don't have faith in him, he's inviting you to come. And if you've been walking with Jesus for years, he still invites you to come to him. So join me now in a, a prayer of supplication. This is a time for where you can pray for those in your life that are in need, where you can pray for needs that you have. So let us go to the Lord now and offer to him our prayers of supplication. Lord Jesus, you are not just enough for our justification, but you're enough for our sanctification too. We we don't get into the kingdom through you and then graduate from you and go about it in our own strength. Oh no, we still need you, your presence. And so my prayer today, Lord, is that we as individuals in this congregation or those who may be tuning in, that the Spirit would give us a deeper awareness of the places in our life that still need more Jesus. The places in our life that, that, that need healing. The places in our life in which we have not surrendered over to Him. We all have those things. And Holy Spirit, You know them. And I pray that You will release our Kung Fu grip that we have around those things and allow Jesus to take it. Because He is enough. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he invites us to come to him to receive rest for our souls. There are people here and people in our communities that that, that they're not resting or they're trying to find rest in things that don't really give rest. So let us experience your rest and let us invite others to that same rest. Lord Jesus, I do pray for all of this in Christ's name. I hope each of you are doing well uh, this morning and on this Lord's Day. And I hope you had a good week. And, and has God been faithful to you? Man, your ups and downs? Amen. 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 This morning I'm going to uh, wrap up the Unforced Rhythms of Grace uh, sermon series. Uh, this final sermon would be a summary message of all nine rhythms. And, and these nine rhythms are great. It's not a complete list because there's other rhythms. They're just simply the ones I wanted to focus on in this sermon series. And so I titled this final sermon, uh, The Grace Reference Book. The Grace Reference Book, or a.k.a. the GRB. So whenever you need grace or refresh on God's grace, you can pull it out. And I know some of you may be asking like, to yourself, why is Pastor Alex preaching a summary sermon on these nine rhythms because we, 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 we don't have them memorized. You don't have them. We, we, we forget God's grace. Honestly, ask yourself, do, do you really have God's grace on lock? Do you really, really have it fully understood? And do you really, really perfectly live in grace? Every day of your life. No, you don't. So we all need this sermon. One African-American activist says, 
We live in a society of an imposed forgetfulness, forgetfulness, a society that depends on public amnesia. And all of us here are forgetful, and we have selective amnesia. We forget appointments. We forget important dates and historical events. We forget to do our chores and our schoolwork. And if you're a Christian, then please know you're not immune from this forgetfulness and this type of amnesia. This forgetfulness and amnesia carries over into our faith, which means we are prone to forget God's grace in our life. Do I need to pull out the sign? Okay. All right. Okay. Eventually, your life will get out of rhythm with grace. It's just a matter of time. And when it happens, the grace reference book will be here for you. The GRB will be here for you to pull out whenever your life needs a refresher in God's grace. And so you need that refresher. I need it this morning. And then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit now to bless the preaching of the word. Please join me. Holy Spirit, if you don't move, the rhythms of grace won't actually take root in our life. And so... As we work through the sermon, or folks go back and listen to all these other sermons, like none of that, none of the rhythms of grace can take root if if you're not the one doing it, if you're not the one working and maneuvering in our hearts and our minds and our emotions, you have to do it. And so we're 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 this is not a, a self help sermon series. This is a sermon series that should say I'm other dependent upon the Spirit for this to happen, because we can't make it happen. If you don't do it. So, Spirit, you are a counselor. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are our advocate. You are the one who, who, who is the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. And so we need you. We need you to work these rhythms into our life, individually and corporately, as a body of Christ. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. The first rhythm of grace is, is foundational. It's actually the, the cornerstone. You can't experience the other eight rhythms without first experiencing this one. And so what is it? It's the rhythm of communion. And this term implies an intimate fellowship, a close and loving relationship. And this communion is, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Communion with him is the doorway to experiencing the other eight rhythms of grace. And so for some of you, you may need to stop there. Like if you don't have this one, then you can't ever have the other ones. This is the foundational one. In Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. And so this first rhythm can be summarized, summarized this way. First, communion is an invitation to a saving relationship with the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what he's offering you. That's the invitation. Come to me so that you can first have this relationship. The phrase come to me again is an invitation to commune. It's an invitation to fellowship with the Godhead. Think about this. God wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. 
And Jesus is the way for that to be possible. And you enter this relationship by surrendering and submitting your life to Jesus in faith. That's how you get it. Because he's the only one who has made a way for you to have this relationship through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the finished work of Christ. Second, communion is an invitation to rest. He says, come to me all who are lay, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is not a, a complete rest or a cessation from all work. The, the rest that Jesus gives is a calling. It's not a calling of halting all personal responsibilities. It's not a termination of duties or a cancellation of service. It's not a release from all obligations, but it is a cancellation for you trying to work for your salvation. He's giving you rest from legalism. That's another amen statement. The rest he's offering you is saying you have to do nothing to maintain or enter this relationship. Your work isn't good enough. Your sacrifice is not good enough. Your blood's not good enough. And so when you come to faith in Jesus, the rest he's giving you is renewal, it's restorative, and it's refreshing. Think about it. You're finally in a relationship where you don't have to do anything to earn it, to earn attention, to earn favor. So you can rest in being the beloved. Are you resting in being the beloved? Or are you still trying to earn what you already got? Are you still trying to earn it? I don't know, Ellis, so I'm going to need a fan like right here to blow down on me. Because I'm just getting started and I'm already sweating. The third, the third, communion is an invitation to discipleship. So it's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to rest. And now it's an invitation to discipleship. And this, Jesus invites you to follow him. To serve him. To learn from him. You see? Everything in the every. Not everything in the Bible is a justification by faith issue, okay? Sometimes we think it is. There are passages that are about sanctification and you walking with Jesus. So discipleship is more of a sanctification issue for us. He says in, in verses in Matthew 11, 29 and 13, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does this look like at, at TBC? It is our mission statement to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, to glorify Jesus. That's what a disciple looks like at TBC. So if you're not if you're not knowing Jesus through faith, if you're not enjoying him in relationship and if you're not glorifying him with your life, then you're not being a disciple here at TBC. That's what discipleship looks like. You, you, there's no discipleship if Jesus is not in the equation. To know him, to enjoy him, to glorify him. That's what it looks like. Second rhythm of grace is expressed in Galatians 5.16. Paul says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The New English Bible says if you walk by the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The second rhythm of grace is what I call dependency. Dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Not dependency upon yourself or your flesh 
or your giftedness or your smartness or your resources or your people connections is dependency upon the Holy Spirit. You see, communion with Jesus brings you, brings you into grace, but it's dependency upon the Holy Spirit that helps you enjoy it. Do you see that? Jesus brings you in the door. The Holy Spirit is the reason why you can enjoy it. So are you dependent upon him? Are you dependent upon his flesh, on your flesh? Did you know you can pray to the Holy Spirit? How often do you do that? When was the last time you prayed to the Holy Spirit? Say, Spirit, I, I need you here. It's, it's a triune God, a Trinitarian God. It ain't just Father and Son. You got to realize if the Holy Spirit doesn't work, no one comes to saving faith without the work of the Spirit. You don't understand Scripture if you don't come if the Spirit doesn't move. Just because I went to seminary and all that, you think that that's the only thing that makes me qualified to preach the Word of God? No, the Spirit has to take this stuff and apply it. If the Spirit doesn't move, I'm just a motivational speaker. That's it. That's all a preacher is. We're dependent upon the Holy Spirit to take these words and apply it to all of our lives. Do you, who do you think convicts you of sin? Is that you? No, it ain't you. That's the Spirit. That's the Spirit. And you need to de- learn to depend upon him. So what's the sermon here? First, dependency upon the Holy Spirit, it produces his fruit in your life. He does that. The fruit of the Spirit. He produces those things in you. Again, you can't produce them in yourself. He grows you in that. And second, dependency upon the Holy Spirit allows you to enjoy grace as freedom without legalism. The Spirit does that. Third, dependency upon the Holy Spirit allows you to enjoy grace as liberation without licentiousness. The Spirit does that. The Spirit is your guardrails. Can you recognize his voice? Do you, do you ever feel when he's urging and moving you? Keep in mind, this is a summary, summary sermon, so I'm not going into much detail. So you're going to have to go back and listen to the other sermons if you want more detail. Now, the third rhythm of grace is adoption. And that rhythm is expressed in 1 John verses 3. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 10. And it can be summarized uh, with three points. First, you experience adoption by enjoying who you are. You experience adoption by first enjoying who you are. Adoption tells you who you are as a Christian. Who are you? Who are you? This is congregation participation time. Who are you? Yes. Say it like you mean it. Not just a child, a beloved child. That's an important adjective. It tells you that as a Christian who has faith in Jesus, it tells you that you are God's beloved. And adoption also tells you who you are if you don't have faith in Jesus. It means you are an orphan. So it goes both ways. TBC Saints, adoption tells us that we are God's beloved sons and daughters. And, and those who have saving faith in him, that's who we are. 
When God sees you, beloved, beloved, beloved. But we go around talking about, I'm just a filthy, nasty sinner. Find that in Scripture where people, Paul refers to believers as that. Now, we're saints who struggle with sin. Yes. But that's not how we talk about ourselves. We are saints. We are beloved kids who struggle and make mistakes. If you're a parent, you know that. Your kids make mistakes, but they don't stop being your beloved. 1 John 3, 1 says, Y'all look at what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I'm telling you young people, if you are, if you are young and you have faith in Jesus, like if you know this stuff, man, your journey in faith, now it's going to be hard and struggles, but you will have so much peace. And some of you might not have to go to counseling, if you understand that. Second, your experience of grace, you experience adoption by enjoying who you shall be. You see, there's a present part of this and there's a future aspect to this as well. Adoption doesn't tell us who we are in the present tense. It tells us who we shall be in the future. First John 3, 2 says, beloved, we are God's children now and what we shall be has not appeared. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Enjoying who you shall be calls you to look forward to when your faith will finally be made sight because we will see Jesus as he is. To see him face to face, we will be like him. We will have our glorified bodies. No more sin, no more weakness, no more struggles, no more suffering, no more gaining weight when you eat too much sugar. Oh, that's gone. No more high blood pressure. No more cholesterol, high cholesterol, no more rejection, no more shame, and no more injustice. That's what we look forward to. And third, you experience adoption by enjoying who you should reflect in your life. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Our life grows in being in a reflection of Jesus through dependency upon the Holy Spirit. And think about the moon. The moon has no light of its own. You know that, right? What, what does the moon reflect? The light of the sun. We are the moon. Jesus is the sun. So that means in your life, in what he's calling you to do, you never get the glory. Be the moon. You're reflecting the glory of Christ as Christians. That's what we reflect. Your pride doesn't want to do that. Your flesh doesn't want to do that. But the Holy Spirit, when he gets root of you, that's what he's going to push you toward. So the question is, do you see the areas in your life where you want to be the son? Because we all have them. If you can't see them, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, and he'll lead you to a deeper level of repentance. The fourth rhythm of grace is a combination platter. It's a rhythm of rest and work. They go together. And trusting in the Lord God helps you create a, a, a rhythm between rest and work in your life. The one best-selling author says there's virtue in work and there's virtue in rest. Both. Use both and overlook neither. 
Which one do you think we struggle with as Americans? Yeah, we don't like the rest. We don't. We are worker bees. The early bird gets to run, right? And so this author is correct. There's virtue in rest and there's virtue in work. And so what does it look like to find this balance in your life? And it begins with you trusting the Heavenly Father. Like, if you can't ever, as a Christian, if you can't ever Sabbath, that is at least a sign that you're not trusting God. If you can't take a day off of work, maybe a sign that you're not trusting God to provide for your needs. If you're working 60 hours a week, every week, which is not sustainable, might be a sign that you're not trusting God. Now, there will be seasons when you have to work a lot, but that cannot be the norm. Your body can't take it. So, what's the sermon here? First, when you're trusting God, you will work hard. You'll do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And secondly, when you trust in the Lord, you will rest hard. When the last time you rested hard? Because I can tell you, when I get home, I'm going to rest hard. I'm going to cut on my fan and, and get rid of all this sweat, and I'm going to take me a good hard nap. You'll do what the psalmist says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toll, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Sleep. Have you ever thought about rest as worship? Or is it always laziness? It can be laziness. But I don't know if we struggle with that as, as Americans. God the Father has given to his beloved the rhythm of rest and the rhythm of work. But do y'all believe it? The fifth rhythm is one that's often unappreciated by Christians in America because there can be a tendency to see this rhythm as optional and non-essential. It's the rhythm of community. Not just any kind of community, it's Christian community. The community that exists amongst believers inside any local church. And there must be, in order for this type of community to exist, there must be a corporate devotion from all members in that church for that community. That means we all got to hold fast to it. We must continue steadily. There must be a single-mindedness that we have for this type of community. And it's a commitment to be fully present, and you must be all in. In other words, it's a desire to really do life together as a local church. And this fifth wisdom can be summarized this way. And these points, uh, for these summary points, I've taken from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. First, community looks like corporate devotion to a diverse intercultural community through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it refers looks like. 
It means being a community where people from all different ages and ethnicities and economic classes and political views can do real life together. You got to think, if we are, if people from different parts of life can't do that in the church, then why would we expect that to happen in America? It's foolishness. That you want a, a, a pagan culture to be, do what we can't do. Maybe we need to start doing some self-reflection before we start judging America. Because we can't do it. But yet we want to get mad at the country because it's not doing it. Well, maybe we need to lead by example. Maybe we need to lead by example. So we should ask ourselves a question. We should ask yourself a question. Can I fully commit myself to this type of community at TVC? Your beloved intercultural community. That's what we're trying to be. Ain't going to be perfect, but that's what we're trying to be. Secondly, uh, community looks like corporate devotion to our weekly worship gatherings. That's part of it. Everyone can't be here every week. I know that because we have things going on. But we we can make a commitment that that will be a priority. No one can replace your presence in our corporate worship service. When you're not here, you're missed. No one can replace your presence. The late Eugene Peterson says, worship is the act that, that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. I'll read that again. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. Do you see that? What he's saying? When I'm worshiping corporately, I develop feelings for God. Can we make a commitment to that? And third, community looks like a corporate devotion to the elements of worship. The preaching of the word, uh, our blended worship style, um, the communion of saints, and even the Lord's Supper. And finally, it looks like us doing life as a blended family. That's what we're going to be, a blended family. And... I am sweating a lot. I apologize, guys. All right. I think I'm just going to wear shorts next week. (laughs) In James 1, verses 2 through 4, James says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness, when it has its full effect, you may be perfect and complete and lacking in no good thing. These verses brings us to our sixth rhythm of grace, which is joy in the midst of suffering. Joy in the midst of suffering. You see, God's presence allows us to have this type of joy, thank you, in the midst of suffering. And so what is the summary here? First, God's presence gives us hope. I'm sorry, gives us peace in the midst of our suffering. Do you believe that? This peace comes from you enjoying God's presence in your life and knowing that he's with you. Do you know that he's with you in the midst of the struggle? Because we have a tendency, again, to forget God's presence with us. Definitely when we're suffering. Definitely when we're going through the stuff. Do you really know 
that Yahweh Elohim is with you in your suffering. Second, God's presence gives us hope in the midst of our suffering. And this hope is a confidence that God will remain faithful to you. Okay? He will remain faithful. His suffering is not him abandoning you. And so you can have hope that I'm not in this alone. It's confidence that God will fulfill his promises to you even though life is hard. Because all God's promises in Christ are what? Yes and amen. And third, God's presence, it matures us in the midst of our suffering. When do you, in my faith, I've grown the most through hardship. What about you? I've grown the most through loss, through tears. And so I don't know why he does it, but he uses our hardships and our suffering to, to mature us, to transform us more and more into the beloved image of his son. And that's the rhythm, sixth rhythm of grace. Now, the seventh rhythm is what I call stewardship. Stewardship is the seventh rhythm of grace. And this is seen in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 15. And stewardship can be summarized this way. First, stewardship is a gift of God's grace. Have you thought about it that way? Stewardship is a gift of God's grace. And second, stewardship isn't about your ability about you and your ability to give. It has nothing to do with your income level, your education, and your job. Stewardship is a gift of God's grace that begins in your heart. Because when you are a steward, you realize, I'm a steward, not just of the finances God has given me, I'm a steward of everything I have in my life, even the shoes on my feet. Because stewardship is really about the lordship of Christ. Because when you become a Christian, when you receive Jesus, he's not just your savior. He's your Lord. He's not just your redeemer. He's your king. And so as your Lord and king, he's saying to you, everything you got is mine. I am, you are just a steward of all that, you, that I have given you. Because if I remove my hand... You will have nothing. And that's what stewardship is. Stewardship, um, thirdly, stewardship is a reflection of Jesus' stewardship. But what does that mean, Pastor Alex? Second Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That's his stewardship. So when you're being a good steward through the power of the Holy Spirit, again, you're just reflecting Christ. And he, do you, the, the, a godly Christian life is really you walking in the foot, Jesus' footsteps he already left in the sand. You, you're not creating new footsteps in the sand. Because he, he's already done it. He's already lived it. And so when you're walking in the Christian faith, you are just stepping in Jesus' footsteps that he already left behind. He hasn't called you to do anything he hasn't already done. <laughs> he hasn't already done. He said, well, what, 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 why should I see Jesus as lordship of my rich? You know, you know, Jesus was really rich. And he came to the earth 
to save enemies. He gave up the riches of heaven to come down here and save people who didn't want to do any, have anything to do with him. What does what First John say? He came to his own. His own rejected him. They received him not. And so, what he, so for us, our stewardship is for a God that we should love. Jesus' stewardship is for people who didn't even love him. So he's not asking you to do that. He says, you are a steward for the Father. So everything you have belongs to him. And you use those things for his glory. So basically, be the moon with all that God has given you. And let Jesus be the sun. In James 5, verses 17 and 18, James says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. This means Elijah was no superhero. He was just a regular human being like the rest of us, an average Joe. And one commentator says he was an ordinary man like, like anyone else. He had to cope with fear and periods of depression and physical limitations. And yet James uses Elijah as an example of the eight rhythm of grace, which is prayer. And it can be summarized this way. First, the Lord God makes prayer effective. You don't. You can pray all night. Man, it may be good, but it ain't making it effective. The deity you pray to determines whether or not your prayers are effective. Because if the deity is false, then your prayers are worthless. But if the deity is real, your prayers are always effective if they're short or long. And the format of your prayers don't matter. It's all about the deity. It's all about who are you praying to. And for Christians, the Lord God makes prayer effective. And second, uh, prayer is supplication. That is when you're taking to God needs that you have in your life. And so, you, so, so whatever you're going through, you can take it to the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is, big or small. He wants you to bend your heart and bend your knee and bring those things before him. Because when you're praying, that is a sign of humility. It's a sign of dependency. It's a sign of, I need more. I need something else going on in my life other than just me. Now, prayer doesn't mean you don't move. But prayer means sometimes you just need to stop and ask the God for direction and guidance. For the decision that you're going to make. And third, prayer is also adoration and thanksgiving. When was the last time you just praised God for being God? When was the last time you gave him thanksgiving for the things that are in your life? When was the last time? And fourth, prayer is intercession. All right, yeah, prayer is intercession. This is where... When, when you go and pray for someone who's sick, do you think that matters? It does. Like right now, there, there are Americans in Kentucky who are suffering because of flooding. Do we intercede for them? Or do we don't even know what's going on? See, this, this is the great thing about being Americans. You, are, you, you, can, you can hide from the sufferings of the world. Because if it ain't in our door... If it ain't impacting our, me and mine, then it's out of mind, out of sight. But if you're going to intercede for people, that means you're going to need to be in relationship with people who suffer. People who are going through it. Who do you intercede for? 
Who are you interceding for? And do you believe when you intercede for them, those prayers are powerful and effective? Because you're praying to Yahweh Elohim. Like, do you really, do we really grasp at that? That as Christians, we're not the only group of people in the world who pray. You do realize that. Other people in other faiths pray. But, what, what we're, but when we're praying, we're praying to the God who created the universe. The God who created the heavens and, and the earth. We have free access to his ear. It's like you being in, being in the presence of a king and you have his ear. We have privilege. We have access to power. That's Yahweh Elohim. And I think sometimes we don't really grasp what that means because we're so used to just being Christians. We don't realize who God, how big he really is. When you sit down and think about it, man, that is amazing. That millions of Christians offer up prayers and God can hear them individually and distinctively at the same time. At the same time. at the same time. And he knows them by name. That's your God. That's who you're praying to. He's bigger than you think. He's bigger than you think. The ninth and final rhythm of grace is what I call humility. And humility is all about how you approach Jesus and other people. And this rhythm is seen in Matthew 10 verses Matthew 10 verses 35 through 52 particularly verses uh, 46 and uh, through 52. And I summarize this rhythm by calling it a Bartimaeus spirit. The Bartimaeus spirit. You see, Bartimaeus is a blind man living in poverty who approaches Jesus humbly. And so what is this Bartimaeus spirit? First, it is awareness of your own brokenness and your own neediness. That's what it is first. Because when Bartimaeus approaches Jesus in in Mark, he approaches Jesus out of need, out of brokenness, with an awareness of his blindness. So when you approach Christ as a Christian, do you approach him as someone who's at his level or someone who is beneath him? How do you approach him? Because if you go back and listen to that sermon, James and John approach Jesus as if they were at his level. When you come in your glory, I want to be at your right and I want to be at your left. That's not the right spirit. That's not the right way to approach Jesus. That's pride. So the Bartimaeus spirit is you come and approach him out of awareness of your own brokenness and your own neediness. Please notice, you will be needy and broken until Jesus comes back. Now, he's going to heal some of the brokenness in your life, but all of it won't be healed until he returns. And that's the God honest truth. So when he reveals, when he heals a broken area, he reveals a broken area. Because you're never going to get to a place where you arrive. You won't graduate from grace, saints. You won't be the sun. You're the moon. Be the best moon you can be. Because you're not going to be Jesus. He's the sun. Secondly, it comes to Jesus asking for mercy. That's the spirit of Bartimaeus. 
He asked Jesus, Lord, I want to see. When you do you come to Jesus asking for mercy? Or do you come asking for glory? I don't know what's going on in your soul, but you know. You know why you do the things you do. And third, it lives at Jesus' feet and not trying to live at his right and left hand. That's the spirit of Bartimaeus. It lives at Jesus' feet, but not trying to live at his right and left hand. Because when you're living at his feet, you know, Jesus, I'm still dependent upon you. Because when you're trying to be his right hand, you're like, I already got what I need from you. Now we're together. We're at level. You're never going to be at level. So the question is, where are you living? Are you at his feet or are you trying to be at his right and left hand? Where are you? Saints, those are the nine rhythms of grace that make up this sermon series, the Grace Reference Book. And I encourage you to pull this out. Go back and listen to, to the, all these individual sermons to give you an encouragement for you. Again, it's there for you to pull out anytime that you need it. And so I, my prayer is that when you're struggling or when you need a refresher of God's grace, you remember this sermon series and go listen to them because the Spirit can use them to encourage you and can to work grace and work these rhythms more into your life. And I close with these words from Christ. Christ says, this is from the Message Bible. He says, are you tired? Are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill lifting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let us pray. The answer to your question, Lord, is yes, yes, and yes. We're tired, we're worn out, we burn out on religion. And we want to come to you. We want to get away with you. We want to recover uh, healthiness in life. We want to experience real rest. We want to walk with you and work with you. We want to watch how you do it. And we want to all learn the, the unforced rhythms of grace, trusting that you won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. So, Spirit, help us to keep company with Jesus. Help us um, to learn to, to live freely and lightly. I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Will you please stand, saints, as we, as we close our service?
Praise God. Praise God, saints. Praise God. If you are a guest joining us today, thank you so much for being with us. And if you would, on the inside of the worship guide, there's a QR code. I would like for you to scan that and fill out our guest form. Also, uh, we have a session meeting tonight from 2 to 4. Uh, please uh, pray for that meeting. And also church family fun night uh, tonight from 6 to 8. Uh, please come out and have fun. And on the back of your bulletin, there's an email, a new email address for the prayer time. And so if you want to email uh, Emma, the, the new email address is on the back of the bulletin. And also for all the kids starting back school on Wednesday, pray for you. Hope you have a great year. <laughs> now God's benediction to his beloved. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.